It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, a sit-down with PFF's very own Mike Renner, who tells us what the dream scenario for the Vikings come draft weekend will look like, his favorite day two and day three sleepers. And does Kirk Cousins have what it takes to win a Super Bowl in a weak and vulnerable NFC? It's all coming up on a very special draft edition of the Football Party. Don't go anywhere. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition of the Football Party in the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, your daily breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, got a very special guest today I can't wait to get into. But first things first, remember, if you haven't already, go sign up for the weekly NFL Draft newsletter up on the Lockdown homepage. You can find all the latest news and notes surrounding the NFL Draft that I've been working on. Sam, this week I wrote about the five players you should trust the tape on that I think will thrive in the NFL despite maybe some size concerns or below average testing numbers. So go sign up if you haven't already. Check all that out and plenty more as well. Sam, you've read this week's issue behind the scenes. What do you think of my five guys you need to trust the tape on? Agree? Disagree? Were you surprised I didn't have Bryce Young in there? Just I just thought he was too obvious at this point. So many outliers in this class. And Young, of course, he always gets talked about first and foremost. I thought I'd give five other guys the spotlight. Well, when, when I see that list, Luke, the name that pops off to me is Josh Downs. I mean, Josh Downs is my guy. And now you're going to make him everyone else's guy because you're writing about him and people read this newsletter and they believe what you have to say. So now it's going to be this trendy thing. But I've been on Josh Downs for a while now. I think he's a first round talent. And I think he's going to, to take the NFL by storm. I just don't think he has a lot of weaknesses. I love Josh Downs. Uh, thank you for, for believing in him the way I believe in him. Trust the tape. Going to be interesting. This is turning out, Sam, to be one of the more unique, wild, and crazy drafts we've seen in a long time. And remember, too, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Okay. Mike Renner from PFF coming right up. Trust me when I say you don't want to miss this interview. It's absolutely loaded with NFL draft nuggets, and they're all tied back to the Minnesota Vikings. Before we get into that, though, Sam, I want one guy you're banging the table for, or maybe you just think people are sleeping on just a little bit at this point in the process. Two weeks until the draft now, we're getting oh so close. You know I'm all about hashtag go get your guys, GGYG. So who's a Sam Ekstrom guy you really love from this class? Could be anybody. I think I've mentioned him before on the football party, but for those who forgot, for the new audiences, let me remind you 
Josh Downs is my first round guy, but I've got a later round receiver that I love. Marvin Mims, Oklahoma. He's he's good, Luke. He profiles so well. He's 21, right? So he's young. He's got upside. He's been productive all three years at Oklahoma with kind of an escalating role every single year. He can do slot. He can do wide. He's a deep guy. He's a yak guy. He's good in contested catch situations. Just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Not many drops. Um, I don't see a whole lot to knock on Marvin Mims other than he's not really that big. He's 5'11". He's 180. He's kind of slight of frame. And that's going to turn a few teams off. Like he's not the six one body type that you might want. Um, and he might not profile as an instant wide receiver one. But I think whoever gets him in the third or fourth round is going to have someone that makes an immediate impact because there's not a lot of weaknesses in his game to my eye. And I think he still has a lot of upside. So Marvin Mims is uh that's my like top 100 wide receiver that if the Vikings hold off in the first round, if they don't take a wide receiver, I would love if they got Mims in the third. I'm really glad you kind of gave him some spotlight and gave him some love. Uh, we know this cornerback class is absolutely stacked, just like last year. Some guys are they're going to get lost in the shuffle. There's going to be some great value to be had past round one. Prime example I think of is Tariq Woolen. Guy slips to the fifth round, winds up being not just one of the best cornerbacks in the class, one of the best players in the entire draft. And you're thinking – how the heck does a guy like this fall that far? How does this happen with all the tape, with all the testing numbers, with all the information we have on these guys? How do we watch every single year guys drop way further than they should on draft weekend? It's about projections, right? Who can this player become with the proper coaching and the proper development? What's his background? Where did he come from? What's his story? Is he on a path that says his best football is still ahead of him? What's his ceiling? What's his floor? A lot of different things to keep in mind and evaluate. And again, try to project onto these players at the next level. People forget Tariq Woolen was the guy who started out at wide receiver and then made the switch to cornerback. So he was super raw. He was super untapped. But he brought with him this huge advantage of knowing the wide receiver position and playing that in college. He knew what the routes looked like. He knew what these guys wanted to try to do to win at the line of scrimmage or when the ball was in the air because he lived it. He did it. He was that guy. So on top of the athletic profile, which was just off the charts, if you don't remember, comes out six foot four, runs a stupid four two six forty. He had the wide receiver mentality and background, which is just a monster advantage. You just can't teach that. I mean, it's almost like a cheat code. And sure enough, look what he did in his first season in the NFL with Pete Carroll. Richard Sherman, by the way, another great example of that. Another former Seahawk, too, by the way. Former wide receiver turned cornerback who just thrived in the NFL for years because he knew the position so well, just that natural instinct, how to play that cornerback position. Those are the kind of players that gets me very intrigued in the draft. Guys who, yeah, they're not polished yet, but are on this trajectory to keep getting better as they continue to learn the position. Well, South Carolina has a guy that fits the same mold. And no, it's not the guy everyone's talking about going round one, Cam Smith. It's the other guy, his teammate, Darius Rush, who I happen to think is going to be better than Cam Smith. And a guy you can maybe get two, three rounds later. He's not only taller, and longer, rushes six foot two, almost 34 inch arms. He's 20 pounds bigger than Smith at 200 pounds. 
He's faster than Cam Smith. He ran a sub 4-4-40 with a ridiculous 4-3-6 at the combine. But more important than all that, Sam, this guy's still learning the position as a wide receiver turn corner. And no, he's not polished right now like Cam Smith is, but he still put up great tape, still put up great numbers, still put up mm -hmm. great production. And when you're watching these one-on-one -on -one drills, there's probably, I mean, you can count them on one hand the amount of DBs that go out there and run these routes for these wide receivers because they understand the position so well, Rush is one of those guys. He was running routes for receivers down at the Senior Bowl. He did it all year long at South Carolina, and I think he's going to be, again, not only better than Cam Smith, but he's going to be one of the better cornerbacks to come out of this draft, period. Once we get Maybe it's two years, maybe it's three years, maybe it's four years down the road, and he's got a chance to really just sit and learn the position for once, a position that, again, is still very new to him, although maybe you wouldn't even know it if you're watching the tape. He's one of my favorite day two guys, and I think he may still be there, Sam, when the Vikings are on the clock at pick 87, mm -hmm. and if they haven't already gone cornerback in round one, he's a guy I'm absolutely banging the table for. I'm so confident Brian Flores could leave outside on the boundary in that nickel when Byron Murphy slides inside. I love Clark Phillips. I love Tredavious Hodgins Tomlinson. Vikes don't need another nickel, though, Sam. Now that they've established Byron Murphy is their new nickel guy, they need outside boundary help now. Rush. He's got everything you want to be able to shadow a team's number one wide receiver between the size, the speed, and again, this wide receiver background. I'm just very confident, and I think he could turn into a true cornerback one in the NFL. GGYG, Rush is my guy. I love him. Jot that name down for draft weekend, and just cross your fingers with me, Sam. Vikings somehow, some way, end up drafting this guy because yeah. at a position that's just deathly thin right now, Rush, I think, would just go a long way to just replenishing their talent and their youth in that Flores defense. Just real quick, 10, 15 seconds, your quick thoughts on Rush, or what's the Vikings plan at cornerback, and what's it need to look like, Sam? Well, uh, even though Rush might be kind of a convert to cornerback, he does have two really solid years. It's not mm -hmm. as if he's a one-year wonder. And hey, a lot of these prospects only have about two years of college tape, and he had good uh, tape good production in both of those seasons 2021 and 2022 so is the knock in your opinion Luke is it his age because he's 23 is it his just like lack of of years of experience at corner what what would the knock be on rush because his profile is unbelievable yeah he was inconsistent though to see him I mean for every yeah. route that he ran a little over aggressive even down to senior bowl as much as people came back from Mobile Alabama and said man Darius Rush is the the new sleeper I love on day two he had plenty of reps where he got burned over aggressive missing on double moves not quite as polished yet as well so he definitely flashes at times I think again mm -hmm. Cam Smith a little bit more polished which makes sense but I'm looking at guys who project to continue to get better year after year I think he's got all the tools four three six at six foot two 200 pounds I mean the athletic profile is all there he's got the wide receiver background and mentality he's got the ball skills he just needs to learn how to calm down a little bit, so to speak, and just develop these true cornerback skills. And I think Brian Flores could certainly do that. And again, he fits the mold as a boundary guy too. I just think in three years when we look back, 
he could be one of the better cornerbacks from this draft class. Still got some work to do. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why we're not talking about him in the first round, the top 32 picks. He's just not polished quite yet. That's, I think, the biggest knock. Uh, remember, before we get to this Mike Renner interview, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Lockdown, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the NBA Wolves scratching and clawing to get into the playoffs versus the Lakers tonight. Spread has moved from the Lakers by seven and a half. Now it's to eight with no Rudy, no Jaden McDaniels. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And remember, if you're a new customer, try out the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to close out the NBA season's final stretch. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. All right, without further ado, our sit-down with PFF's very own Mike Renner, who talks about this 2023 NFL draft class and the best fits, the best targets for your Minnesota Vikings. Take a listen. Back in the lab here with one of my favorite guests, longtime friend of the show, going all the way back to the Draft Rap podcast days, PFF's very own Mike Renner. Mike, it's our favorite time of year, man. 22 days until Christmas morning. At this point in the process now, like you've watched all the tape, you've crunched all the athletic testing numbers, now do you just kind of sit back and try to connect the dots with all these rumors and the mock drafts we're reading about? Or where are you at in the process with three weeks to go? Well, one of the beauties about the draft, and it's not really a beauty from my point of view sometimes, is that there's like not enough players. To, there's so many players to watch. There's like there's not enough time to watch right. all these guys. So I'm like, you know, probably around 300 deep in guys I've watched at this point. <sighs> But I probably have missed guys who are going to get drafted. So, you know, there's still guys to watch, to, to watch uh, in the coming months. But it's more so just talking about it and trying to actually, you know, analyze more the team side of things. What they need is probably where I'm at now is what I do most of April is really dig into the rosters now that free agency is set and that sort of thing. Yeah, most of you listening already follow Mike on Twitter. But if you're not already, make sure to do so at PFF underscore Mike. And I got to say, all you guys over there continue just year after year to pump out some of the best draft content you can find with all the daily shows, that unbelievable PFF draft guide. Be sure to check that out as well. I want to talk draft prospects with you, but let's get this one out of the way here because I hear you say all the time, these teams looking for a quarterback or offense in the AFC, they better be swinging for the fence when you got to go up against guys like Mahomes, Herbert, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar, Josh Allen, et cetera, for the next decade and a half. And I absolutely couldn't agree more. The NFC, on the other hand, probably the week it's, it's been in over a decade, Jalen at the top, but that's about it. Rodgers is on the move, we think. Stafford and Dak Prescott, they've been hurt. Kyler didn't really pan out. So just knowing that, just for the Kirk Cousins truthers out there, is there any avenue or mindset you can justify that says Cousins could be good enough to win this conference if we just build the right team around him? Or is that the same passive mindset you always want to stay away from when you're building a team? Just your quick thoughts on Cousins and if he's good enough to actually win it all someday, in your opinion. I think he is now. Again, you're talking about having to build a perfect roster. And mm -hmm. that's that's difficult, one, to do for one year, two, to sustain when you're paying a quarterback as much as, again, they're paying Kirk Cousins. So it's it's an easy way 
to never be bad, you know, paying Kirk Cousins. You'll never bottom out. But are you going to compete realistically? Like if they were in the AFC, I'd be saying, heck no. You're not going to win anything with Kirk Cousins in the AFC, but it's a different animal. So I, so I don't hate it really kind of trying to keep going all in as long as you have this window and as long as the NFC is the way it is. But depending on, you know, the way the Packers address quarterback in the future is something I could very well see Questy doing because the quicker way to build a, a great roster around a quarterback is to not pay him $40 million, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a rookie deal. The succession plan of Kirk Cousins is the most polarizing topic in town. And the most polarizing prospect, I think, right now is Hendon Hooker because he's been connected to the Vikings in a lot of mocks. Luke and I, well before all of this steam, we came out and said, Hendon Hooker's not the worst idea in the world. We, we both kind of liked him. Uh, but now he's got this first-round steam. What do you make of him as a prospect? I like the tape. I think the tools are high end. He's got a great arm, a really visually appealing release. Uh, He stands tall in the pocket and like has a lot of pocket pass or things you like, and then has the athleticism to escape, get out, be a runner, you know, create with his legs. I I do just worry though, that, you know, he's 25 coming from one of the least translatable college offenses to grace college football. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. it is nothing about it is anything he's going to do at the NFL level. And you buy into the improvements he's made, you know, going dating back to Virginia Tech, it seems like every single year the guy has improved in some way, shape, or form. And that's, you know, that's what Jalen Hurts was at Alabama to Oklahoma. It's like he never got worse. And if you continue that, you turn into what Jalen Hurts was last year. And so I think people are willing to more buy into those sort of things. But it's like, he improved because he was 22, 23, 24, and then 25. Like, it's like, he's already, this may be it. And so that's what I worry about with Hendon Hooker is that that might be kind of who you're getting. And the transition for him just may be rocky come, coming from that offense. Yeah, a lot of growing speculation about the Vikings doing their due diligence, doing their homework on these quarterback prospects. But if they don't go quarterback... What's your ideal just plan A, just knowing everything you know? You're picking late in round one. You need receiver, cornerback, D-line. Are you a guy who's in the category of doubling down on offense in this pass-happy, shoot-em-out league? Or are you still in favor of building that defense back up first and foremost? What's the most valuable positions outside of quarterback nowadays, in your opinion? And what's just the ideal draft look like for the Vikings? I'm all in on going offense for them. Mm -hmm. I think that's your path to the Super Bowl, is being able to put up 30 plus points in an NFC title game and an NFC wildcard game, wherever it may be, that's how you're going to get there. I know obviously the defense is like, was disastrous at times Mm -hmm. last year for sure. But I think some of that is going to be alleviated by Brian Flores. And and I think it's, you know, where they're deficient are positions you could probably find later on the draft. You know, they have edge, they have edge wholesale right now. That's usually the position that if you're thinking, let's improve my defense is where you're attacking round one. I don't think they need to, but wide receiver, just anyone to take the pressure off of Justin Jefferson or just take any attention off of Justin Jefferson is one, a one B for me, because it's not even like that takes your offense to a different level because people found out towards the end of last year, Hey, Kirk is still going to try to force it to Justin, even if there's a safety over the top, even if there's a bracket, like he does not want to go to plan B. He doesn't want to go to a second option when he has a guy like Justin Jefferson and it's hard to blame him, but you have to make sure that defenses kind of can't do that anymore. And so 
Uh, I think this isn't a great receiving class, but mm-hmm. they'll get one of the top four. And if you've got one of the top four in this class, I think you've got a pretty darn good, at least number two receiver. In free agency, Vikings uh, lost Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Tomlinson, brought in Byron Murphy, uh, the tight end Josh Oliver, Marcus Davenport primarily. Uh, any of those incoming free agents to the Vikings, Davenport, Lowry, Murphy, uh, that kind of stand out to you? I really like Murphy. I think he's underrated. I think he held together a really bad cornerback group in Arizona. And I think, you know, Brian Flores, the scheme, you think, what do you, what do you, what's going to look different about it? They're going to play a lot more man coverage. And I think he's one of the best slot corners in man coverage in the NFL right now. And so you have that lockdown and that's a valuable role, truthfully, uh, in today's NFL. So you have that lockdown. You have another corner from last year, obviously, Andrew Booth, who was more of a man fit than I ever thought he was a fit for uh, a downhill scheme. So you got two positions, I think, that are good. Just one more man corner is probably what you're looking for in this draft class, and then that's it. And it's a, it's a deep class, right? It's it's one of the best position groups. It's it's easily the best valuable position group that I would say because running back and tight end are probably the two other deep positions in this class. And so from that perspective, you could probably find a starter uh, somewhere on day two. So as soon as the Bears made that trade out of one, I jumped off the couch because I'm thinking, all right, good. Took them out of the Will Anderson and Jalen Carter sweepstakes. Now we sit here with three weeks to go. I'm thinking about Carter maybe falling in their lap still at number nine. What a nightmare that would be for the Vikings. You came out with the Lions mock draft a few days ago that had Richardson and Bijan going six and 18. I can't even imagine seeing that for the next eight, 10 years. What's just a few of the worst case scenarios for the Vikings in regards to the Bears, Lions, or maybe even Packers draft halls? And what could those look like? That's a good question. I mean, Jalen Carter slipping to the Bears would be a pretty rough one. Um, I'm I'm trying to think what for the Lions. Will Anderson, um, maybe? Will Anderson falling to six would be disastrous. And then them getting like Devin Witherspoon at 18 if he falls, if he's not as big. That would just transform that defense, truthfully, overnight to where that was the weak link, right? They were a great offense last year. For the Packers, I think it's them holding the Jets over the Coles and ended up getting just a haul. Whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, both I think I think for a haul for the Packers wouldn't even be pick 13. It would be the two second rounders that the Jets have and then maybe future picks. And, and because they they don't have a deep roster either. They're real top heavy right now. Just adding some depth. So that would be and then getting like Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Packers would probably be Oof. the worst case scenario for the rest of the division. So that probably I, I'm not too worried though about the Bears. I am obviously a Packers fan. I'm not too worried right, though, about right, the Bears. I, right. I think they are very far away at that roster still. Yeah, but Lions, I'm a little worried about. I'm not going to lie to you. So many picks, so many early picks, such a young team. If they reset at the quarterback position, that could get ugly for the next few years. But a Will Anderson, Aiden Hutchinson combo at edge, I mean, that's just scary. I, I hate to think about it. I don't want to think about it. Sam, what else? And James got? Houston. That guy James Houston. What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Sneakily, kind of a big need for the Vikings. Um, I think this year and down the road is interior defensive line. Uh, they really only have Harrison Phillips, who's kind of an established player there. Um, Dean Lowry, I guess, can be kind of a five tech. But um, what do you make of the defensive tackle prospects in this draft? Maybe like kind of late first round, early second round, and maybe someone the Vikings could snag. I'd say it's a fairly weak class of DTs, um, and especially once you get to day two. There's just not a lot of guys I would want on day two. But you know, after Jalen Carter, he's obviously, even if he falls, he's not falling that far. 
But after Jalen Carter, two other guys I would be intrigued by if I'm drafting, and they're on the board for the Vikings, Brian Brzee from Clemson, Clyde Cansey from Pittsburgh. I think if either of those guys, you're picking either of them, I'm happy if I'm a Vikings fan. I think Brzee's wildly underrated because of, one, coming back from an ACL, two, all the off-field stuff he dealt with uh, this past fall, that he's – but he was going to be prior to that ACL tear, like what Jalen Carter is right now. And I think we just didn't get to see him take that next step. So that's a guy I'd be happy as heck with uh, if I'm a Vikings fan and they drafted in the first round. But then after that, like I said, Mozzie Smith, the only other real defensive tackle prospect in Michigan, uh, knows tackle, but he's really more of a run first player that mm-hmm. you're probably not coveting as highly as where the Vikings are picking, right? Just even if he turns out to be a great run defender, it's still maybe not worth the 23rd overall pick. or So you're going after that, day two, I don't love the class. The guys, I think, because I don't love the class, it usually means guys get overdrafted in the class. So I probably would recommend then wait until day three if you still want a DT. Uh, every class is unique. They're all different. But is it just me, or does it seem like there's a lot of outlier prospects in this group? Like, you got Clark Phillips and Tredavious Hodgins Tomlinson, both outliers because they're just so small. Kalijah Cansey is about four inches shorter than your ideal defensive tackle. You bring Tank Dell to Soldier Field, he's going to get pushed out of bounds with a strong gust of wind. He's so light. What, a buck 67? Deuce Vaughn even, didn't he literally break the record for shortest player ever at the combine? Yes. So it's like... All these guys got great tape, though. They got other tools to work with. How do you know when to trust the tape? And I guess out of all these outlier prospects, is there one or two that you just love the most? Well, you didn't even bring up Bryce Young. The, like, the oh, most outlier of them all. Right. The, you know, the <laughs> smallest quarterback to grace uh, an NFL field in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the best one. You know, I think he's the guy in this draft class that I would take number one overall. That if I'm, you know, a franchise, I would start my franchise with. I, I just think he's that special. So after that, my favorite ones probably can't see. I, I just think the way he moves is unique, no matter the position, right? Like you, his three cone was at six eight two at his size. Mm. Is just he can play edge, you know. Like there's you know James Harrison was what five eleven two forty five something like that. This guy's. You know, James Harrison's build with 20 more pounds and kind of the same level of athleticism. I think just he knows how to rush the passer. He knows how to use his hands. I think he's a guy that you kind of throw whatever your thresholds are out the window when you flip on his tape and see what he did to some pretty darn good offensive linemen over the course of this past year. Uh, Mike, we're going to be debating the value of running backs until the end of time, I think. Um, people are talking about Bijan Robinson, like he's as good or better of a prospect than Saquon Barkley and Barkley went number two. And I think people expected Barkley to be a, a top five pick and, and no one has Robinson, you know, even sniffing the top 10. Is that just a demonstration of sort of the, the devaluing of running backs and what's your feeling in general on Bijan? Well, I will say if you know, one of it, some a part of the you know Saquon going to is that Dave Gettleman was a GM. You know, Dave Gettleman's not a GM. Barkley's maybe yeah, maybe not even a top ten pick. It's kind of like okay. last year, you know, when Trayvon Walker goes number one. I didn't find a person 
outside of Jacksonville Jaguars who said Trayvon Walker was the best prospect in that draft, right? Like it sometimes all it is is just there's one person who goes out on a limb and drafts that guy. So I think that is why, but it also speaks to kind of how far we've come and kind of learned from Saquon and his career and how little impact he had on the Giants in terms of the win column over the past five years. And people are seeing that and saying, hey, maybe we're not going to draft this guy who, you know, has realistically no flaws. You know, you watch B. John Robinson's tape, there's nothing you're pointing out and saying, oh, that's a concern. And I think that's why people are maybe saying it's better than Saquon because Saquon's vision and the way he tried to, like, go for home runs more so than just taking what was blocked sometimes was a concern for him on tape. So that's why maybe people are leaning towards Bijan in that conversation. But they're just seeing and saying, unless I'm really going to run the ball 30 times a game, unless that is, like, in my blood, I want to give it to my quarterback. I have one of these, you know, I have Joe Burrow, I have Josh Allen, I have Patrick Mahomes, I have something where I want to compete with these guys. I want the ball in my quarterback's hands then just because the explosiveness of a passing game so far outweighs the running game. But there is kind of a movement towards whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Bears, whether it's the Falcons, going run heavy, investing in running mm-hmm. quarterbacks and pairing a guy like B. John Robinson with a run heavy offense and a run heavy quarterback is probably the only way I'd go to bat for drafting him in the first round. And, and and if that is your offense, if that's what you want to do, I think it can be worth it. And now, again, if I'm starting a team, do I want to necessarily, you know, you would rather choose the Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrows of the world, but sometimes you're stuck with who you're stuck with. That's what you got, and you got to make the best of it. And so that's the only route I would go uh, to drafting a guy like Bijan Robinson that high. A lot of people talk about, we got to get Justin Fields some help. They talk about the offensive line, wide receiver. How about Bijan Robinson? I mean, you bring up a lot of great points there. Uh, let's end with a fun one. Get into some draft superlatives. Got about seven or eight of these here. Just some rapid fire. Give me 10, 15 seconds on each guy. And knowing the Vikings are looking at wideouts, let's start with the best route runner in the class. Last year, there was a lot of heated debate. Remember, was it Chris Olave or is it Garrett Wilson? Is it more clear cut this year or not really? I think it's pretty clear cut to me. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best route runner in this class. That's why that's why you have Brian Hartline as wide receiver coach putting him ahead of even Chris Olave, oh, Garrett wow. Wilson as in his rankings of the receivers he's coached at Ohio State because the guy is crafty. I mean, he truly is. And that gives you a really high floor at the NFL level, which is why, you know, unfortunately I don't think he's gonna be there when the Vikings are on the clock. Sidebar, the only guy he didn't outrank, Marvin Harrison Jr. Is that the guy the next Larry Fitzgerald coming out? Top three pick? I mean, that guy just seems like the cleanest prospect we've seen in a while. Um, next year's class could be. Next year's, it, like, I'm doing some like early work on next year's class, and there's some – I know everyone like says that. I don't always say that, but next year's class sure. has guys. Has guys right now. It's what do, you, what do you think of Harrison's uh, running mate at Ohio State at Buka? He's, I mean, he might be a first rounder too. That, that, wow. yeah, they're both those guys. It's a machine. It it's really a machine is. over there. Um, best hands. Who's just the most natural pass catcher in your opinion? Can I go, can I go a tight end with this? Yes, let's go. Dalton Kincaid is nice. unbelievable. That the mm-hmm. guy, the way that guy plucks the ball out of the air. I mean, it's just like it, you brought up Larry Fitzgerald. That's just what it looks like where just he puts his body where it needs to be to make it look effortless the way the ball hits his hand. So, I think he had one drop his entire college career. He's uh, he's the best hands in the class. Michael Mayer was always considered the guy at that position. No two ways about it. No debate. Clear cut. Percentage chance Kincaid actually leapfrogs him on draft night? I'll say 75%. Wow. I think he okay. Does. Let's go. I think Kincaid's 
Yeah. A lot of steam right now. Big riser this last month. Uh, biggest home run threat. I remember last year was like Jamison Williams. Some people like Christian Watson a little bit. Biggest home run threat in this group. It's hard to go against Jalen Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the speed, the explosiveness. When he kind of turns it on, uh, it, it looks faster than the 4-4 he ran at the combine. And he runs away from guys. And it's just very difficult with that level of explosiveness to have to deal with. So I have to go ahead. Uh, let's switch to cornerback. Who's just the best man cover cornerback Vikings fans can kind of circle in the back of their mind, knowing Brian Flores is going to want to run a lot of man cover schemes? Devon Witherspoon from Illinois. Mm-hmm. He may not have the tr- you know, pure traits of a press man corner or whatever, but like play style. It's all like he's he gets up in guys' grills and is feisty as can be at the line of scrimmage. Uh, to me, if he's on the board for the Vikings, that's that's a run the card in situation. Best ball hawk? I know Emmanuel Forbes caught, what, 14 interceptions over three years. Is he in the mix? Who's the best ball hawk in the secondary? I, I think it's him, right? I think it has mm-hmm. to be him. With I think he has the FBS record for pick sixes. And it's it's some of it is him making play, like jumping routes. But then he also has unique explosiveness and length. And then he like has hands like a wide receiver. I, I'm almost surprised this guy didn't start at wide receiver, wasn't at least given looks there, you know, especially given who the head coach was, you know, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. Mississippi State that uh, because like his hands on tape look like a wide receiver and with four, three speed and with his length, he could have been like uh, Jamison Williams, but uh, I, I don't think he's complaining. He still could go first round a corner. I was listening to ESPN first draft with Kuiper and McShay. Kuiper just came out, put him 14 to Washington. Highest I've seen him. I respect it. He asked McShay point blank, what am I missing here? I get it. He's light. What, 171, 168, something like that? I get it. He's light. But everything else, though, checks all those boxes. So very interested to see where he lands among just such a deep and loaded cornerback class. Um Never talk about this much. Who's the best return man? If if I'm looking for a return guy, punt return or kick return, Vikings got Jalen Rager. They could be looking for some competition for him. Is there one return man that just sticks out for you? So th- this guy didn't return a lot of kicks. And I was actually going to save this stat for the draft night because I have stats Ooh. from guys that I'm like saving. Some but juice. this one, I'll give you a free preview. Yep. Tank Dell, Houston wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's probably going to go in a range where you're not just drafting him as a wide receiver but he returned 10 punts his entire collegiate career 10 punts Mm -hmm. three of them ended with him in the end zone three out of 10 punts returned two got called back one with the rough in the kicker one with the block in the back that didn't matter three of his 10 punts ended up in the house the guy in the open field just he just gets it he just gets it unbelievable that's why you're the best pretty good ratio i think we'll take that for sure at the next level um biggest swiss army knife i remember last year i went with traylon burks just because it was like all right this guy can do a little bit of everything but offense or defense i guess just a guy who's super versatile i like i like kenny mcintosh from georgia and that Mm -hmm. was his pro day was like awful but he's a guy who i think if you want to do some unique two-back stuff on offense he can do it. He, he caught 75 passes his entire collegiate career, didn't drop a single one. Watching him catch the ball is second nature. And watching him in the open field, he's just very difficult to bring down. So he's the kind of guy where maybe he's not going to be day one, day two, or maybe he's not. I, I would be floored if he is day one, day two. But if he's sitting there in the fourth round and you know I'm looking at the rest of the board and it's mm-hmm. probably not great because it's fourth round, I'm thinking what that guy can do as a wide receiver in my offense. Because uh-huh. just you show it on tape – the, the dynamism is tough to coach in the guys 
and, and the level of hands he has is too. I love that because in such a pass-happy league, one of the first things I'm looking for, yes, in my running back is actually, how's his hands? Can he be a guy who can move out in the slot or out wide? Can I find a mismatch? Uh, you know, Can he be that X factor from time to time? Very interesting to see that he could be uh, one of those guys that maybe gets involved uh, in the passing game quite a bit. Uh, favorite day two guy, you know, Russell Brown, we had him on right before the senior bowl. I go, Who's a guy I got to watch, you know, during this week, during mobile? Check out Julius Brents. Obviously, he killed it. He's had a great combine. He's one of my favorite day two guys. You got one of these favorite day two guys going in that, you know, 30 to 75 range? Oh, let me think about that one. Favorite day two guy. Just I, a guy you like. Doesn't need to be the guy for maybe a little value. Like, ah, I really like Josh Downs over here. If I can get him at pick 45. Okay. I, I really like, um, gosh, I'm I, I'm debating between a couple of guys. I'll just say I really like Sam Laporta. I think everyone yes. likes Sam Laporta, but the yes. Iowa tight end, I, I don't think he ends up going the first round. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the things that are tough to coach into 250 pounders, he does. You know, he, he right. is light on his feet. He makes guys miss after the catch. A ton, a 20 broken tackles this past year. Mm. Um, and, and then he's fast, like four, five, nine speed. I mean, he's maybe not like polished the way. Kincaid and Mayer are sure, but he's probably the better athlete. So yeah, I like Sam Laporte a lot. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah at one point, a couple weeks ago said this might be the best tight end draft class in the last decade. I mean, just got the guys at the top and then you got the depth as well. Same question, but day three favorite day three guy, just a guy you just love for the value. A guy like, I don't know, PFF, I know is high on Carl yeah. Brooks, at least from a grade mm -hmm. perspective, who's just one of your favorite quote unquote sleepers. I think that's where Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee ends up. And to me, yes. mm -hmm. he's he's a lot better than that. I think from you know comparing him to last year's class and kind of where everyone ended up, I'd put him on par with a guy like Kenny Pickett in terms of as a prospect. Mm -hmm. And I know Kenny Pickett went 20th overall. Some of that's because it just was a weak quarterback class. But I, I am kind of in awe of how polished he is for only three years of college football. You know, he's an older guy because he's a fifth year, but he took two years off on a Mormon mission, didn't play football over that span. So uh, I think the arrows only pointed up for him. And he's a guy you're not worried about size, you know, six, six, massive, great field vision. And you're not worried about turnovers. You just you played with not a lot of talent. Stanford didn't turn the ball over. So that's kind of a good starting point for a quarterback to develop off of. So if he goes day three. I think someone's going to be really happy with at least what he brings to the table. Everybody wants to give Will Levis a pass because, you know, just such a weak supporting cast. Tanner McKee, I mean, everybody likes Michael Wilson, but Michael Wilson didn't play more than like four yeah. or five games, right? So he wasn't really working with a lot of high-end talent there as well. Uh, Mike, could do this literally all day. Always appreciate your time, though. You're one of the best in the biz. Keep doing your thing. It's not going to be long until we see you sitting up there with Kuiper and McShay <laughs> up on that ESPN podium on draft weekend, all right? I appreciate it, Luke. Thanks for having me, man. So much good stuff from Renner there, man. He's just a fountain of draft knowledge. Quick thoughts on what he had to say, Sam. Maybe your biggest takeaway or one big observation. Yeah, well, first of all, when you asked him about Kirk Cousins, you know, having it, what it takes to win it all, he didn't really hesitate. He said, yeah, he does. And I know he was taking into account kind of a weak NFC, but I thought that was interesting uh, mm -hmm. from, uh, from a PFF guy. And PFF doesn't always love Kirk Cousins. Um, from a draft standpoint, defensive tackle, 
we've been talking about how that's this subtle need, like cornerback definitely overshadows it. But on defense, losing Dalvin Tomlinson, they don't have a lot at defensive tackle. So when he said that it's not a very deep class, that if you want to get somebody there, you kind of have to do it early. You kind of have to get the Brissies or the Cansies, and, and there's not a lot after the second round. Uh, that is telling to me. Now it's possible the Vikings are are just content addressing a different position and figuring it out at defensive tackle in other ways or drafting some developmental pieces. But uh, if you want an impact DT, it sounds like you got to get one of the guys we've been talking about, Cansey or Brissy, take your pick in that first round. Yeah, everybody just assumes Jalen Carter's still going to go in the top 10. Listen, I've seen a lot of wild and crazy stuff happen on draft night, and and I'm just not putting in Sharpie quite yet that Jalen Carter is going to go to Seattle at five or Detroit at six. I'm not there yet. And yeah, maybe he doesn't last all the way to the Vikings at 23, but if he gets close to that range, maybe 17 to Pittsburgh and you got to move up, maybe you got to give a a future third and a fifth to move up five spots. Jalen Carter, just on the field from a talent perspective, blue chip, can't miss type of guy. It would be a big bummer to see Detroit with their second pick at pick 18 come back and snipe him at what's clearly such a huge position of need. So that's that was very intriguing. I'm glad you called that out. Um, you heard him, though, all in on going offense. You want to win the Super Bowl in this league? That's your path. And, and I just couldn't agree more with him because more weeks than not here, Sam, you're going to have to be able to put up 30-plus points, especially come playoff time, wild card round, NFC championship, Plus, look at their schedule next year. They got the Chiefs on the schedule this year. They got the Chargers at home. They got the Eagles. They got the Bengals. I mean, that's a murderer's row of high-octane offenses there, Sam. And just the way the league's built now, you got to go punch for punch with these guys and pretty much just hope you got the ball last at the end. They got Brian Flores now for at least a year. We all assume they can maybe get this defense back to respectability again. But this is why you hired KOC, to build one of these elite high-powered offenses, and keep up with the rest of the league and what's happening in the NFL by putting points up on the board week in and week out. That's the blueprint, and I think Renner was just – he was spot on when he said it, and I totally agree. So great stuff per usual, man. Shout-out to Mike Renner from PFF. As the countdown continues, just two weeks and change to the NFL draft. Remember, again, if you haven't already, go sign up for the weekly NFL draft newsletter up on the Lockdown homepage for free. All you need is an email to get started and get all the latest draft coverage. Sam, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of the Football Party, your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. Don't forget, we're a podcast too free and available. All platforms, subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the football party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the football party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.